The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde Chapter 1 The studio was filled with rich odour of roses when a light summer wind stirred amidst the trees of the garden. There came through the open window the heavy scent of lilac or the most more delicate perfume of the pink flowering fawn. For the corner of the divan of Persian sidle bags which he was lying smoking was his custom, enormous cigarettes, Lord Henry Walton could just catch the gleam of honey sweet and honey coloured blossoms of Lindrinium, which tremendous branches seemed hardly able to bear the burden of beauty so flame like of theirs, and now and then the fantastic shadows of birds in flight flitted across the long tussock silk curtains were stretched in front of the huge window, which is a kind of momentary, momentary Japanese effect, making him think of those plaided, jade-faded painters of Tokyo, who, through the medium of art, that is unnecessarily immobile, seek to convey the sense of swiftness of motion, the sudden murmur of the bees shouldering away through the long mowed grass, circling with monotonous insistence round the dusty gilt forms of staggering woodbine, seemed to make the stillness more oppressive. The dim roar of London was like the burn-on-done note of a distant organ. In the centre of the room, clamped to light-heeled easel, stood the full length of a portrait of a young man, surely heavy beauty, personal beauty, in front of it, some distance away, was sitting the artist himself, Basil Hallward, whose sudden disappearance some years ago caused, at a time, such public excitement gave rise to so many strange conjectures. And the painter looked at the greatest and comely form he so carefully mirrored in his art. A smile of pleasure passed across his face and seemed almost to linger there, but he suddenly startled up, glowing eyes placed his fingers played lids, though he sought to imprison in his brain some curious dream of which he feared he might awake. It's your best work, Basil, the best thing you've ever done, said Lord Henry languidly. You must suddenly send it next year to the governor. A company too large and too vulgar. Wherever I have done, gone there, there have been even so many people that have not been able to see the pictures, which are, was dreadful, or so many pictures but not being able to see the people, which was the worst, the governor, is really the only place. I don't think I shall send it anywhere. He answered, tossing his head back in that odd way that he used to make his friends laugh at him. He answered, no, I won't send it anywhere. Lord Henry elevated his eyebrows and looked at him in amazement, for the thin blue wreaths of smoke that curled up such fanciful walls to his heavy open and tainted cigarette. Not send it anywhere? Why, dear fellow, why? Have you any reason? What odd chaps you painters are? You do anything in the world to gain reputation. As soon as you have one, you seem to want to throw it away. It is silly you. But there is only one thing in the world worse than being talked about. Not being talked about. For a this will set you far above all young men in England. Make you the old men quite jealous. The old men are ever capable of any emotion. I know you laugh at me, he replied. I really don't, can't exhibit it. I put too much of myself in it. Then Henry stretched himself out of the van and laughed. Yes, I know you. I knew you would. But it's quite true all the same. Too much yourself in it? 
Upon my word, Basil, don't know, didn't know you were so vain. I really can't see any resemblance between you, with your ragged, strong hair, then your cold black hair. This young Adonis looks as if he's made out of ivory and those leaves. Why, my dear Basil, he's a Narcissus. You will, of course, have intellectual expression and all that. But beauty, real beauty, ends with electrical expression. Electrical expression that begins. Intellect itself, the mode of saturation, destroys the harmony of any face. The moment one sits down and we think, one becomes all nose, all forehead, or something horrid. Look at a Cecil man in any of the learning professions. How hiddly, how perfectly hideous they are, except, of course, in the church. But then in church, they don't think a bishop keeps on saying at the age of 80. He told to say that he's a, he was a boy of 18. The no natural consequences, he always looks absolutely delightful. You are a man, mysterious young friend, whose name you never told me. Lee's picture, his picture really fascinates me, never, never thinks. I feel quite sure of it. He is quite some brainless, beautiful creature who should be always here in winter when he should, we have no flowers to look at. Always here in summer where we want something to chill our intelligence. Don't flatter yourself, Basil. You're not in the least like him. Don't send me, Henry, answered artist. Of course I'm not like him. I know that perfectly well, and indeed. I should be sorry to admit look like him. You shrug your shoulders? I tell you the truth, there's fatality or the physical and intellectual distinction. So fatality, seeing the dog through his tree, the flattering steps of the kings. It's better not to be different from one fellow's the ugly and the stupid. Had the best of it in this world. They can sit at their ease and gape at the play. They know nothing of victory. They at least spare the knowledge of defeat. They live as if we will, as we all should. Quiet. Undisturbed, underdifferent, and quite dis- without disquiet. In either being run upon others or being received, ever received it. Raise your hands, your rank and wealth, Henry. Arrange such as they are my art. Whatever it may be worth, doing great good looks. We shall all suffer for what gods have given us. Suffer terribly. Dorian Gray? Is that his name? asked Lord Fenry, walking across the studio towards Basil Hallwood. Yes, that is his name. Didn't intend to tell it to you. But why not? Well, I can't explain. When I like people immensely, I never tell their names to anyone. It is surrendering any it is surrendering part of them. I've grown to love secrecy. It seems to be one thing that can make modern life mysterious and marvellous. To us, the commonest thing is delightful, while one only hides it. When I leave town now, I should never tell people my name, my people, where I'm going. If I did, I'd lose all my pleasure. It's a silly habit, dare say, but somehow it seems to bring a great deal of romance to one's life. Suppose you do think me over foolish by it. Not at all, answered Lord Henry, not at all. My dear Basil, you seem to forget that I am married. One charm of marriage is that you makes life deception absolutely necessary for both parties. I never know where my wife is, and my wife never knows what I'm doing. When we met, we do not meet occasionally. When we dine out together, or go down to dukes. So tell me, tell each other the most absurd stories, the most serious faces. My wife is very good at it. Very much better, in fact, than I am. She never gets confused of her dates. I would do. When she does find me out, she makes... No well at all. Sometimes wish we would she would. But you mean you laughs at me. I hate the way you talk about your married life, Jared. Henry, said Barrett Hayward. 
Robert strolling towards the door that led in the garden. I believe you're really a very good husband. You're thoroughly ashamed of your virtue, of virtues. Strongly fellow. You never say a moral thing. You never do a wrong thing. Criticism is simply a pose. Being natural is just simply a pose. Most irritating pose, I know, cried Lord Henry, laughing. Two young men went out into the garden to walls together and scolded themselves on a long bamboo seat. They stood in the shade of a tall, lower bush. Sunlight slipped over the polished leaves in the grass. White daisies were tremendous. After a pause, Lord Henry pulled out his watch. I'm afraid I must be going, Basil. You may done here. If I go, I assist you answering a question. Put you, put you some time ago. What is that? said Peter, keeping his eyes fixed on the ground. You know quite well I do not, Henry. Well, I'll tell you what it is. Why don't you just explain it to me? Why do you want it to be a great picture? I want the real reason. I told you the real reason. No, you did not. You said it was because there was too much of yourself in it. Now there's childish, Henry, said Dale Hey, Hayward. Bold, looking him straight in the face. Every portrait is painted with feelings of portrait of the artist, not the sitter. So the sitter is merely an accident and occasion. And not he who is revealed by the painter. If I the painter who, on a coloured canvas, reveals himself, a reason I will not exhibit this picture, so I am afraid I have shown it in secret of my own soul. But then he laughed. And what is that? He laughs. I would tell you, said Harold but on an expression of flexibility. I came upon his face, over his face. I am always expected, expected, and I'm in all expectation. Basil continued his companion, glancing at him. Ah, oh, there's really very little to tell, Henry, answered Peter. I am afraid you will hardly understand it. Perhaps you hardly will believe it. Lord Henry smiled, leaned down, patted a pedal daisy on the grass and examined it. I'm quite sure I could show understand it, he replied, gazing intently. A little golden white feathered disc. As for believing things, I could believe anything, provided it's quite incredible. The wind shook some blossoms from the trees, heavy lilac blooms, their clustering stars, moved to and fro in the languid air. Grass up began to cheer up, chirp by the wall, and like a blue thread, a long thin dragonfly floated past brown gold's wings. Lord Henry felt he could hear Badawa Hartwood's heart beating and wondered what that was coming. The story is simple, it is. Said Pedro after some time. Two months ago, I went to crush a lawyer at Lady Brandon's. Now we poor artists have to show ourselves in society time to time. Just around the public, we're not savages. A great unicoat and white tie, as you told me once. Everyone, you're a stockbroker, can gain a reputation of being civilised. After I had been in the room about ten minutes, talking to the huge grove of drawers, Doogers and changes to epidemics. I became, became conscious. Someone was looking at me. I turned halfway round and saw Darian Gray. First time, our eyes, when our eyes met, I felt I was growing pale. A curious sensation of terror came over me. I knew I had come face to face with someone whose mere personality was so fascinating. I allowed it to be so. It was all my whole nature, my whole soul, my very art itself. I don't want any external influence in my life. You know how yourself, Henry, I'm I am in that by nature. I've always been my own master. Had I least always been so until I met Dorian Gray. 
then, but I don't know how to explain it to you. Something seemed to tell me I was on the verge of a terrible crisis in my life. A strange feeling that fate had stole for me exquisite joys and exquisite sorrows. I grew afraid and turned to quit the room. With no conscience that made me do so. So cowardice made no credit to myself trying to escape. Conscious cowardice are really the same thing, Basil. Conscious is a trade name. Firm. That's all. Don't believe that, Henry. Don't believe you do either. However, whatever was my knowledge, but if it may have been pride, I used to be very proud. I struggled at the door. Yeah, and of course I stumbled against Lady Brandon. You're not going to run away so soon, Mr. Harwood. She cried out, screamed out. You know her caressing, shrill voice. Yes, she's a peacock in everything. Like, but beauty, said Lord Henry, pulling the daisies in bits with long, nervous fingers. I told her to get rid- not get rid of her. Could not get rid of her. She brought me to the varieties. The, la- the people, stars and gators and loyally ladies, trying to Tararas and parrot noses. She spoke to me, me, her dearest friend. I had only met her once before, but she looked, took it on her head she to idolize me. I believe some pictures of mine have made a great success at the time. At least it had been chatted about in the penny newspapers with the 19th century standard mentality. Suddenly I found myself face to face with a young man. Personally, he had so strange stirred me. We were quite close, almost touching. Eyes met again. It was reckless of me, but I asked Lady Brandon to introduce me to him. Perhaps he was so not so reckless after all. So inevitable. We would have spoken to each other without any introduction. Introduction, I'm sure that Darwin told us afterwards. He too felt that we were destined to know each other. And how did Lady Brandon describe this wonderful young man? asked his companion. I knew she goes on for goes on for giving a rapid persis of all her guests. A rather her member of bringing me up to restaurant sendant, a red faced old gentleman, corroded all over ribbon olders and ribbons, hissing out into my ear, tragic whisper, that he must have been perfectly audible to everyone in the room, but stunning details I suddenly fled. Timmy fled, I would like to find out people by for myself. Lady Brandon treats her guests strictly, Sorcerer treats his goods. She even explains them entirely Away he tells that one everything about them except what wants to know, one wants to know. Poor Lee Brandon, you're hard on her, Harry, said Hellwood in, in desperately. Oh my dear fellow, she tried to sew on she tried to find found a salon, and at least see nobody knows from How could I mire her? But tell me, what did she say about Dorian Gray, Mr Dorian Gray? I say like charming boy, poor dear mother. I see him separable, quite forget he does forget, doesn't do anything. Oh, he, oh yes, he played piano. Is it violin? Poor Mr. Gray. The of us could help, laughing. Came friends at once. Laughter is not all. At all, a bad beginning for a friendship. Far the best ending for one, said the young lord, plugging another daisy. Halbert, shook his head. You don't understand what friendship is, Henry. He murmured. And what enemies is, enemy is. No matter. You like, you look... Like everyone that is, that is to say you are indifferent to everyone. How horribly unjust of you, cried Lord Henry, tittering, tilting his head hat back and looking up at the little clouds that like reveled scourds, glossy white skin drifting across the hallowed, hollowed turquoise of the summer sky. Yes, horribly unjust of you, 
I make a great difference between people. I chose my friends for their great look, good looks, my friends for their good characters, my enemies for their good intellects. A man cannot be too careful in the choice of his enemies. I have not got one who is a fool. I have not got one who is a fool. They are all men of some intellect, and consequently they appreciate me. They are very vain of me. I rather think it's rather vain. I should think it was, Harry, Henry. According to your category, I must be merely an acquaintance. But much less than a friend, a sort of a brother, I suppose. Old brothers don't care for brothers. My older brother didn't, wouldn't die. My younger brothers don't never seem to do anything else. Henry exclaimed Homewood, frowning. My dear fellow, I'm not I'm quite not quite serious. I can't help detesting my relations. I suppose it comes from the fact none of us can stand another people having the same thoughts as ourselves. Quite sympathise with the rage English to democracy against what they call the vices of upper class orders. A man is feel that drunkenness, stupidity and immortality should be their own special property. If anyone was makes us ask himself, poaching on the preserves, a poor self walk got out into the vault court, and indeed it was quite magnificent. Yet I don't suppose that ten percent of the literate live correctly. Don't agree with a single word that you have said. But there's more, Henry, I feel sure you don't either. But Henry stroked his pointed brown beard and tapped the toe his patent leather boot, a tussled embry cane. How many you are, Basil? Second time you have made an observation. If one puts forward a true, a true idea of true Englishman, always the best thing to do, everything to considering whether the idea is right or wrong. Anything he considers of any importance, whether one believes it in oneself. However, value of an idea, nothing whatever to do with sincerity the man who expresses it. Indeed, the probabilities are the most, most sincere a man is a mere purely, more in, purely intellectual than the idea could be. In that case, it will be not, not, it'll not be coloured by either this, his wants or desires or prejudices. However, I, do not, I don't propose to discuss politics, sociology, metaphysics with you, like persons better than principles. I like persons with no principles better than anything. Else in the world, tell me more about Mr. Dorian Gray. How often did you see, did you see him? Every day, I didn't, could be happy. I didn't see him every day. It's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary to me. How strongly I thought you would never care. Think about your art. It is all my art to me now, said the painter gravely. I suddenly see Harry. There are only two eras of importance in the world's history. First, the appearance of a new medium for art. Second, the appearance of my new personality for art itself. So. The invention of oil painting was Virginius, the face Atros was of the late Greek sculpture, the face of Dorian Grain, would someday be to me. And not merely a paint from him, draw from him, sketch from him, of course, I've done all that, but he is more than me than metal sitter. Don't tell you what I decided to write with, though what I have to done to, of him. There is beauty such that art cannot express it, nothing that art cannot express. I know what the work I have done since I met Dorian Gray. Good work is the best work of my life. But in some curious way, I wonder will understand me. Personality is suggested to me a mere, a totally new matter in art, a totally new mode of style. See things differently, think of them differently, 
can we uh, now we create life in a way hidden from me before dream of forming the days fault who is it that says that i forget is that what doing grain has been to me a merely visible presence of this lad but he seems to me more than lad but he's really more than over 20. a merely visible presence i wonder can he realize all that means i'm constantly defines for me the lines of fresh school a school is so harried if all of passion Magic spirit, or perfection, a spirit that is Greek, harmony of the soul and body, soul and body, how much that is. We and our man has to separate the two, invented a realism that is vulgar, a identity and a void. Henry, if you only knew what Dorian Gray is to me, remember that landscape of mine, which I grew of me with such a huge price for, which could not part with, is one of the best things I've ever done. And why so? Because while I was painting it, very way he sat beside me, some subtle influence passed me from me, him to me. For the first time in my life, I saw in a plain woodland, a wonder, who he looked for, and Miss, Miss Basil, this is extraordinary, I must see Dorian Gray. Hallward got up from his seat and walked up the down the garden. After he sometime he came back, Henry he said, Dorian Gray to me, simply a motive in art, motive in art. You must see nothing in him. I see everything in him. He's ever more present in my work, and when no memory is here, he suggested, as I have said, of a new manner. I found him in the curves of certain lines, loveliness, and subtleties of certain colours, that's it all. Then he won't. Then why won't you submit his portrait, asked Lord Henry? Because without intending it, I put into it very rich some expression with his curious artistic identity, which, of course, I never cared to speak of him. He knows everything, nothing about it. He shall never know anything about it. But the mill must, might guess it. I will not bear my soul to their shallow prying eyes. Hearts shall never be put under their microscope. There is too much of myself in this thing. Harry, too much of myself. Players are not so superfluous as you are. They know how unusual passion is for publication. Nowadays a broken heart will run for many editions. I hate for them for it. I hate them for it, cried Holwood. Artists should create beautiful things, but should put nothing of his own life into them. But even in an age when men treat art, men treat art as if they were meant to be a form of autobiography, they've lost their abstract sense of beauty. So now I'll show you the world and what it is. And for that reason, the world shall never see my portrait during grey. I think you're wrong, Basil, but I won't argue with you. If you only have intellectual loss, whatever I argue, tell me. Is Dorian Gray ever very fond of you? The painter considered for a few moments. He likes me, he answered after a pause. I know oh, he likes me, of course, I flatter him. Dreadfully. I find a strange pleasure in saying things to him. I know I shall be sorry for having said it. It all he charming to me. He said in a studio and talked for a thousand things. And in ever, it's probably faultless. Seems to make, take a real delight in bringing me pain. And I feel, Henry, I have given away my whole soul to someone who treats it is a little flower upon his coat, a bit of decoration, a charm, his vanity, ornament for summer's day. Days in summer, Basil, are apt to linger, murmured Lord Henry. Perhaps you will tire sooner than he will. It's a thing to think of, but no doubt the genius lasts longer than beauty. Counts for the fact that we all take such pains to over-educate ourselves, while struggle for existence. We want to have something that endures. We will fill our minds with rubbish and facts, so they hope of keeping our place.
a fairly well-informed man. That is our model ideal of the hind. A fairly well-informed man is a dreadful thing. Like a bric-a-brac shop, all monsters and dust. A big price, but it's further value. I think you have all tired of us. The same. Someday you will look at your friend. He will seem to you a little bit out of colour drawing. He won't like his tone of colour or something. You will really approach him in your heart. So you think he was behaved. He valued you. Next time he calls you, you'll be perfectly cold and indifferent. It'll be a great pity for it. Oh, you want you. But you told me it's quite romance. Romance of art, one might call it. Worse of having a romance of any kind. Is that leads one so romantic, Henry? Don't talk to it like that. As long as I live, the person of Dorian Gray dominate me. Don't feel what I feel. You search the train too often. Oh, my dear Basil, that's exactly why I can't feel it. Those who are faithful, now only a triple side of love, is faithless, who know love tragedies. The Lord only struck a light on a dainty several case, going to smoke a cigarette, so conscious and satisfied air, as if he summed up the world in a phrase. As the rustles chirping, barrows of green lacquer, lacquer leaves of ivy, and blue clouded shadows traced themselves across the grass like swallows. However, as it was in the garden, and delightful however people's emotions were, much more delightful than ideas it seemed to him. One's own soul and passions of one's friends were the fascinating things in life. Pictured to himself a silent amusement, tedious luncheon, he missed by staying so long with Basil Holwood. He had gone to his aunt's, he would have been sure to make Lord Goodbody. Then the whole conversation would have been about feeding poor and necessary even model lodging houses. Each class would have reached the importance of their these virtues, for those whose exercise was no necessary in their own lives. The rich would have spoken on the value of thrift, idle, grown, eloquent, and the dignity of labour. It was as charming to have escaped all that. Every thought of his aunt, but it seemed to strike him, he turned to Hobart and said, My dear fellow, just remembered. Remembered what, Henry? Where I heard the name of Dorian Gray. Where was I? It asked Hobart. A slight frown. Don't be look so angry, Basil. It was it was at my aunt, Lord Agatha. She told me she discovered a wonderful young man going to help her in the East End. His name was Dorian Gray, a bound estate. He never told me he was good looking. Women have no appreciation of good looks. At least good women have not. She said he was very earnest, a beautiful nature, a one pictured of two silver creatures, spectacles, lank hair, horribly freckled, trembling about his head on huge feet. I wish I'd known he was your friend. I'm glad you didn't, Henry. Why? Don't want you, you don't want you to meet him? You don't want to meet you don't want me to meet him, no. Dorian Gray is a shooter, sir, but the coming to into the garden. You may must introduce to me now, cried Lord Henry, laughing. Peter turned to his servant who stood blinking in the sunlight. He asked Mr Gray to wait, Parker. To be in a few moments, the man bowed bowed and went up the walk. Then he looked at Lord Henry, Dorian Gray, my dearest friend, he said. His simple and beautiful nature. Your aunt was quite right if she, in what she said of him. Don't spoil him. Don't try to influence him. Your emphasis will be bad. Your world is wide. There's many marvellous people in it. Don't take away from me, one person. Give me my art. Where a charm is possesses, life is an artist. Depends on him. Mine, Henry, I trust you. He spoke very slowly. Words seemed rang out of him almost against his will. What talk of you nonsense you talk, said Lord Henry. Smiling him to walk in, taking over by the helm. He almost led him into the house.